1: best wide receiver advice you receive all season long because if you think Hayden Winks is a nerd just wait for this guy it's Matt Harmon from Yahoo Sports reception reception and most importantly my longtime in real life friend Matt thank you so much for being here buddy how are you doing Boys, what up? Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about the excited
0: to talk about wide receivers, which I you know, I don't really talk about very often. I, I was under the impression this was gonna be a quarterback show. So right. um, I, I guess I'll still I guess I'll still stick around.
1: It's the world tour you've been on. Thanks for making time for us. Um, as Hayden said prior to this, we want to try to maybe hit on some names that you haven't discussed this entire summer, this hot, hot best ball summer. I think we have a bigger challenge than than you do, but uh Hayden. Are you ready for it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Okay. How I structure the show is actually being pre-planned. We're going to have some buckets of topics with many players that fit into these items as we go along. So we're going to hit on a lot of individuals, but also, again, ideas at large. We're actually going to start off, though, with one name that I think is really interesting, Matt, because he's being drafted almost on an island unto himself. And it's C.D. Lamb because he's going after the proven guys and Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase and Stefan Diggs and Devontae Adams. But before, you know, ones we have questions, Debo Samuel, Mike Evans, Tyree Kill. So as the wide receiver six after finishing last season as the wide receiver 16 in points per game, what does C.D. Lamb have to do differently this season to prove everyone right? Nothing. I think just really take
0: the field. I, I mean, because I believe he is a great player. I, and you know, when I think about who can be the wide receiver one overall in fantasy, I think you kind of have to check three boxes. Number one, you have to be tethered to either, you know, a, a good offense. I think you've got to be tethered to a good offense, right? A high scoring offense that is tethered with a good quarterback. That's check one box. Dak Prescott's a good offense. And the, the Dallas Cowboys play fast and they, they throw the ball a lot more I think than people expect. So there's that. You have to have a dominant target share in your offense. CD Lamb gonna have a dominant <laughs> target share in this <laughs> offense. There's just no way about it. Um, and number three, you've got to be really, really good at the game. And CD Lamb is really good at the game. Reception perception profiles, awesome. Ninety first percentile success rate versus man coverage. Like the player that people want CD Lamb to be, I think statistically, he already is that guy from an individual talent perspective. Um, the one thing I would say about Lamb's usage is. I kind of want the Cowboys to just decide this is what you are and let's go be that whether it is a primary slot receiver or sort of a flanker receiver that moves inside and out. They need to just decide that he is that guy and leave him there. They don't want like, let's not move him to X receiver. And then when Michael Gallup's back, like put him back at this, just be who he is because he needs to be the most important player in your offense at this point beyond Dak Prescott. And I think he's got the ability to be that guy. And, I will say I I think he can win on the perimeter. I think he can be like an upgrade on Amari, a huge upgrade on Amari Cooper as the flanker receiver. Um, But if he moves inside a decent bit, that's good news too because I think one thing that people say about Lamb is, you well, he's going to get all the defensive attention. Number one, that doesn't really move the needle as much as we think. And number two, if he's playing on the inside and getting moved around the formation, it's going to be a lot harder to double Uh, a a guy that's playing in the slot so that's all it's just all wheels up for cd lamb you can't draft cd lamb at your as at his ceiling because his ceiling is the best receiver in fantasy this year um, and nobody's going to take him as the first receiver off the board
2: my personal evaluation totally agree with it he's got the athleticism ball tracking yards after the catch ability all checks all those boxes. The physicality, there's a couple of times going across the middle where he drops the pass and maybe not doesn't fight through contact. I think that's the reason why they haven't been putting him on the perimeter. And I was at Cowboys camp for a day and he was in the slot in three wide receiver sets. He was obviously still there in two wide receiver sets, but they were throwing him in motion. All the reports are saying that he's been mostly a slot receiver, which I think is probably a good thing for CeeDee Lamb, just if you're going to remove the one weakness where maybe he's not as physical as you would like. If you are going to put him in the slot, I think he can go bonkers this year. Um, Josh, is that kind of your evaluation on CeeDee Lamb as well?
1: For sure, and just to put some numbers behind it, he played in the slot 91% of snaps during his rookie season. It was down to 36% of snaps last year. Uh, I always have thought that CeeDee Lamb is great after the catch. He just moves differently than Mm -hmm. a lot of other wide receivers out there. He first forced 13 more missed tackles last year, and actually his contested target rate, his contested catch rate, was up from 29% up to 70% last year. And I do like how, even if Michael Gallup is going to be slow in returning, and obviously they've lost James Washington, it does feel like they already have trust in Noah Brown, who they're trotting out there mostly as an outside wide receiver. And then Jalen Tolbert, that's his game too. So Matt, I think your point that you just made where let's not switch things up after six or eight games. Once Michael Gallup gets back, let's from start to finish, have CD who's the premier player in this offense among skill position players, um, be at his best from start to finish. And and just hopefully they have a little bit more easiness from like early on in downs, because I kind of felt like their play calling just set Dak up to get to a second and third option a little bit too often. And one final note, Matt, not to keep going on here. You and I, for years, we've been doing this. have always said, at least I have, um, you can't really build a passing game around a slot receiver. I kind of think that's changed a little bit throughout yeah. the league with Cooper cup. And maybe what we see with Justin Jefferson now too.
0: I think teams are putting different players in the slot. And that's what's the big difference here is uh, one of the things I said, you know, you can't build a sl- uh, offense around a slot receiver kind of in that like 2014, 2015, 2016 era. But then, you know, you've seen in since then, you know, it's Cooper Cup is not like those slot receivers that were they're dominating back then. It's kind you know, of big. They even. Yeah. He's yeah, I mean yeah. he's a big guy, right? Like he's not that traditional little bunny hop slot receiver. Um, and and same thing would be with the case with Ceedee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, all of these guys. So the key it's to you want to maximize that slot receiver position because targets are more efficient, easier, more layup targets go to the slot. So in 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 a sense, it just makes more sense to. I mean, I was even saying back in like 2017, damn Falcons should take Julio Jones and put him more in the slot. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's there's just a lot more upside to guys that can that look or play kind of like those old X receivers, but are used in um,
1: the the bunny hop slot receiver and, way. And now it's even on the play caller to not match them up with cornerbacks. But once they're in the slot, obviously try to get them advantageous matchups against linebackers and safeties too. And I think that can kind of separate who the great play callers are across the league. Okay. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. I, just, while we're talking about the Cowboys Jalen Tolbert evaluation, to me, kind of downfield uh, threat. Maybe like a poor man's Mike Williams to kind of a jump ball specialist. Maybe Mm he doesn't have the the full speed on the perimeter. He was not playing in two wide receiver sets when I was at Cowboys camp. It was actually Noah Brown. His ADP is up to 110, and I don't see any warning signs. I think this thing can keep going up and up and up. (laughs) What's the Jalen Tolbert things? Have we gotten a little far ahead here? He was ultimately, I think, the 15th wide receiver in his own draft class. Um, And the ADP is way beyond that already
0: yeah I think he's a pretty good player I mean he's walking into a great combination of projectable opportunity and quarterback play maybe honestly, I mean unless he is just going to strictly be an 11 personnel player that would be problematic um, there's, the opportunity though is there for him to climb that climb that depth chart we also have to say too that I whenever Michael Gallup gets back I think he just walks right back into a starting job whether he's Playing at the peak of his powers is is a huge question and, and a totally different discussion, but I'm a big fan of Michael Gallup, the player. So I do agree. You can't get too high on Jalen Tolbert, even though I liked him. I think he was a really underrated prospect um, when you look at his reception perception, some good notes there as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Hayden, that I, I wouldn't want to get too crazy about it, but I, I'm still OK, depending on where he goes, drafting him. In that, like, wide receiver 60-ish uh, range, I'm okay with being, a, you know, the, his consensus ranking on,
1: on certain sites is, like,
0: wide receiver 86 or something yeah. like that. Like, yeah, yeah you got to be ahead of him on there.
1: Wide receiver 54 and underdog right now. And if we get a Marquez That's Callaway type preseason, uh, wide receiver, like, 42 is in the range of outcomes, which is yeah spicy. Okay, here we go. Topic time. Callaway, man. Let, let's go to uh, – how about wide receivers and veterans changing teams, a.k.a. Old faces in new places. I sent you six names, Matt. Devontae Adams, AJ Brown, Allen Robinson, Tyree Kill, Amari Cooper, Christian Kirk. Tasked you for picking one that you really wanted to focus on today. Who is it?
0: Yeah, I would love to pick your guys' brain about AJ Brown because um, I actually feel like I haven't talked about AJ Brown <laughs> very often. A- Hayden uh, you- is, is gnashing his teeth together. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I want to know why because I actually don't know what to do with AJ Brown because I think it's really it's tough to make the math work with the Eagles. I just yes. wrote a piece. For, yeah, it's for the for uh, for Yahoo. I just wrote a piece on like my lessons after doing projections for um, pass catchers. Because you're right, Josh. Like I know Hayden does a lot of projections work. Um, I love to do all of the charting work for reception perception, and then stay inside and double down and do projections for every team as well yeah sorry i have my contacts in man i mean i i should you should have let me know ahead of time i would have just kept the glasses on um but anyways do, you doing the projections is tough to make the math work for the eagles but aj brown's such a good player man he's top five in success rate versus man press coverage i think he is truly a top 10 top eight wide receiver talent right now um and i want to just bet on the ability. Uh, but it's, I, I don't know, man, I've got him at like wide receiver 13 and I've rarely clicked him to this point, this, this, this off season. And, you know, then Devonte Smith too, as a, as a counter to that is who I'm another, I'm a big fan of Devonte Smith, oh, yeah. obviously legit separator, but man, I got him bar- like kind of buried in, in the rankings. And uh, you've got to, I think he's got to be below ADP for me to click him. So I would love to know what you guys think about it because I'm so so high on AJ Brown the player, and you know I'm I'm definitely like mainlining the tweets uh, from Eagles camp where AJ Brown's the only wh- guy getting <laughs> getting targets or whatever. But if you're gonna believe that AJ Brown has a 140 target season or something, and I think you have to number one you have to stretch to do that anyways. But then you have to believe that Dallas Goddard is a uh, is a bust at ADP. You know Devontae Smith's going to be a spike week player, and that's it. And I, I think that's kind of a tough sell for me.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. Obviously, we all think A.J. Brown is fantastic. He was fantastic on all these like deep crossing routes, and historically, that's not exactly where Jalen Hurts wins. Now, Jalen Hurts is young. He can get better. The offensive line is ridiculous. So I don't want to be completely out on A.J. Brown, but I'm with you. I think he's going to be more of a spiked week, inconsistent, maybe like upside wide receiver two. And I think part of this thing is oh. we're all sold on Devonta Smith being really good. Like I thought last year he made some flashes. Obviously the offense was very up and down, but they were so run heavy last year. And I, I think that there's a, uh, they will pass the ball more obviously if you're trading AJ Brown and paying him that much money that you are going to pass, but more, but they have to pass a lot more a lot to more. make Dallas Goddard and Devonta Smith and AJ Brown work. But it, it's so frustrating because I want to be on Jalen hurts and I want to stack them in these best ball tournaments Of the three, I don't know which one to do it with. So it's a very confusing offense. Unfortunately, I think I'm just going to be out on A.J. Brown. I think I like T. Higgins and like the upside with Mike Williams, who aren't nearly as good as A.J. Brown. But the offense is just one injury away, and all of a sudden those guys can go
1: completely bonkers. First with Devontae, his play did not equal his production last year in that he was getting open down the field. Just Jalen could not either see him or get in the football. And – I guess my question back to you, Matt, is where does A.J. Brown win and does it line up with where Jalen Hurts has won in the past? Because Jalen has this soft spot for the short right areas of the field or the entire right sideline. I looked this up. Only (laughs) 23.3% of Jalen Hurts' attempt last season targeted the middle of the field from zero yards to 20-plus yards, right? Conversely, 49% of A.J. Brown's targets were attributed to that area of the field. So like Hayden said... It's so many of those passes over the middle of the field that then he's just this supreme athlete striding out, making and creating big plays. Now, do I think he can win the outside? Sure. But it begs the question, did A.J. Brown thrive there? Is that where he's going to win? And can it open the door for Jalen Hurts to thrive there because he just didn't have anyone like A.J. Brown in the past to do it for him?
0: Yeah, that last point I do think is crucial because, you know, we're about to take freaking Jalen Rager's targets and give them to A.J. Brown. That's a pretty big deal for the quarterback. Um, I do think that's an important note to hit. I mean, I think A.J. Brown wins everywhere you know 96 percentile success rate versus man 98th percentile success rate versus press last year but the areas where he's just ungodly good are definitely slant routes dig routes over the middle of the field you're 92 percent success rate on digs 84 percent 85 excuse me 85 percent success rate on slants and those were two of his most commonly run routes related to the nfl average i mean he is so good there and it does kind of run counter with what um Jalen Hurts does as a passer. So I I get the hesitancy there. Like I said, I'm I'm sort of back and forth. I, I don't totally want to be where Hayden is on, on AJ Brown, but I don't want to get too far over my skis either, because I think the range of outcomes here is a little aggress is, is scary, uh to be honest. And I will say this though, like the, the part about Devontae Smith. I I'm such a, I mean a huge dork about this stuff. Obviously, you you've got the pictures to prove it here on the thumbnail. <laughs> but like the overlap between Devonte Smith and AJ Brown from a skill set standpoint is just so great. I, because they ran Devonte Smith out as just like a pure X receiver. Um, and you know, certainly AJ Brown can do that, but he can also be used as, you know, a guy off the line of scrimmage and, you know, being put in these interesting situations, like, you know, sort over of create a touch guy in some certain ways, but man, how those two guys complement each other is just really, really exciting. And, you know, it, it's just so many good players here, man. I mean, how is this offense not going to be awesome? I, right? I don't know. Maybe Jalen hurts just doesn't take that next step. And, um, but yeah, like I said, it's a. It's a stretch. It's a stretch to kind of get A.J. Brown to a ceiling range of outcomes without an
1: injury, which the Eagles have kind of planned for A.J. Brown uh, not being good. Hayden, there are five other names in that list. Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Tyree Kill, Amari Cooper, Christian Kirk. Anyone that you want to pick Matt's brain on before we move on to the next grouping.
2: Christian Kirk, like could he be like a true number one? I see him as a vertical slot player. I think that's what they're going to run him out with just because Marvin Jones and Zay Jones are at both perimeter like downfield threats. Uh, do you see anything more out of Christian Kirk or is he just going to be a kind of explosive seam stretch, which I think is actually the perfect fit for Trevor Lawrence. He is a big game hunter, especially over the middle.
0: Yeah, I, I like, vertical slot receiver playing with trevor lawrence and i like christian kirk in that role so i don't really need him to be a true number one receiver i don't think he's a true number one receiver obviously um i I don't care what he got paid right Uh, i'm actually ahead of consensus on christian kirk i just put this article out on rp uh that he he's definitely one of the 10 receivers i want to be drafting aggressively ahead of where they're going in consensus rankings right now um you know he's a good zone beater like you said 80.1 success rate versus zone like that's what you want to see from this archetype of player and i want to buy in on this archetype A player in this offense specifically with this quarterback so no certainly not a number one receiver but definitely a guy I'm in on drafting
1: I will have reception perception leaked down below it's incredible content so go and check it out for the first time and by the way if it's your first time checking out this channel make sure to subscribe we got a ton of clips and obviously some really really important shows for this end of the hot hot best ball summer that we're coming up on okay so there's that grouping now we go to the danger zone this is what I've called Matt Everyone from, let's say, wide receiver 17 to wide receiver 24. Names like Jalen Waddle. Now he has Tyreek Hill, Terry McLaurin attached to Carson Wentz, Hollywood Brown. Shift over to Kyler Murray, the vertical slot player. Gabe Davis, Jerry Judy, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Cooks. This list can go on and on and on. Question marks with all of them. Is there anyone to give you the platform that you want to hype up or tear down here? Either one's possible. <laughs>
0: Well, you guys know I'm a positive guy. I'll only talk down on somebody if you really, really make me do it. Um, but, man, I, I mean, this is, there's a lot of guys in here that I think you can make a really big upside case for, you know, for, from a skill set perspective, from a per player performance perspective. There's a lot of guys here. I mean, obviously, you know, the one player to me I can't I can't quit is definitely Terry McLaurin um, because he's so good you know 94th percentile success rate versus man press last year and at some point he's just going to have a monster season because he's he's too good to not i feel the same way i know i've said this on on shows before but i feel the same way about him as I did with Stefan Diggs in like 2017, 2018. Like at some point he's he's got the talent that if he was in the right situation, he would have a top five elite level fantasy season. It's just this is pro Josh. We talked about this on the on the show with uh, on the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Also subscribe to that. You got to do yep. a lot of things here. We got we're giving you a checklist here at the end of this show. Um I kind of like young Turner, the way he calls plays there. Oh yeah. I kind of like Scott Turner as a play caller. Um, but it's just it's Carson Wentz, man. Like what what are we doing here with, with the Carson Wentz thing? So yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Terry McLaurin. And um I, I if he goes like wide receiver 14-16, I want to draft him there just because I do think his pure ability has he has a top 10 ceiling a, as a pure player, and maybe Wentz can get him there. And the offensive infrastructure is certainly going to be different from a pass volume, from a pace of play perspective than what we saw with Wentz last year.
2: The other name in this list that I was very curious about was Jerry Judy. I have been skeptical about raising his ADP too much and following it. I've been more on Cortland Sutton. I've seen Cortland Sutton do this before. I think he's probably a better fit with Russell Wilson, but Jerry Judy to me oversells routes. I think he probably slipped at the top of his route more than any other wide receiver in the (laughs) league last year. I don't know what that's all about. Um, Sell me on Jerry Judy if you can, or are you a little bit skeptical yourself?
0: I'm skeptical as well. Um, Andy and I just did a podcast about, you know, the players. What if we're wrong about basically? Yeah. And I said, what if we're wrong about this entire Denver situation? Like, I kind of think this group of players is a little overrated. All, all of them. Um, I wish that I mean, this idea that, oh, Russell Wilson, look at this great cast of receivers. He's going to work with We work with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you know, for, for the last two or so years. And who is no question, I think, a top three duo uh, at the at the very worst top three? Cortland sutton, I, I wish he was coming off his peak season. He's not coming off his peak season, but I also think you can excuse that to the ACL tear, you know, coming back in year one. this I've said this a hundred times, I know i I really. I'm hoping I could put an article up on reception perception showing that you're the expectation of what you're going to lose from a success rate versus man standpoint in your first year off an ACL tear. So I think you can use that and excuse Cortland Sutton's last season last year, because he does have to wear the blame for some of what happened last year. You know, it wasn't just bad quarterback play. He was not playing well from an individual standpoint. I think RP shows that, but Hayden, I have been on the Cortland Sutton side here because in terms of these guys, Altogether, even with when Tim Patrick was in the mix, he has the best peak season on his resume and and does really easily overlap with Russell Wilson. And you can't excuse what happened last year with injury. Judy, on the other hand, certainly can make an excuse last year with injury as well. But I'm with you, man, that he hasn't really developed as a route runner like you'd think. Certainly coming into the NFL, he was a, a technically refined player. But there's a big difference between. Collegiate great route runner and NFL great route runner. And in his rookie year, he had some good signals, but some bad signals from a success rate versus man standpoint, pretty solid, but really poor performer against zone coverage and just a fine performer against press. Then last year, man, I mean, you know, he falls the 49th percentile success rate versus man 52nd percentile success rate versus zone. Again, you can excuse some of that to injury, but I also think there is a lack of development there. So Jerry Judy's definitely a leap of faith player. Um, And it took the Tim Patrick injury for me to push him up to where, you know, even close to where his ADP is. And even then I'm still like in the tier of guys that I I have him ranked. He's not my first pick. And even some of the guys I've ranked behind him, I'm like, shoot, I think I'd rather draft this guy over Jerry
1: Judy. He's going as wide receiver 21 right now. The low, low price of wide receiver 21. No, I I will never, never click him at wide receiver 21. That's one spot ahead of Gabe Davis, who I prior to last season, I wasn't sold on Gabe Davis as a player and neither were the Buffalo Bills. And so at least from my seat, past production is meaningless for Gabriel Davis because the team is telling you what they think of him in that he's going to walk in, be a starter downfield threat and everything we want him to be. Plus I think he has improved as a player as well. We have a whole clip Depends on the channel. You. I won't ask Matt to dive into that anymore, <laughs> but um, in terms of, We have so many questions as we outline from wide receiver 17 all the way down to, I don't know, wide receiver 26. That kind of feels like a sure thing in terms of the sure offense. Okay, next up, talk about guys vaulting into a new position in terms of the heir to the throne. They're coming for the number one spot, but not necessarily considered elite talents. Matt, you have a list of Alan Lazard, Darnell Mooney, Robert Woods, Devontae Parker good luck.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting, uh, interesting group of guys. Um, I think I've heard you guys talk about Devontae Parker and, you know, I think Jacoby Myers and maybe Kendrick Bourne are better players, but I think Devontae Parker probably has the role where he never leaves the field and, you know, from, from all these guys. So I think that, Does move the needle for him a little bit. Uh, He was also in that podcast and Andy and I just did about guys. We might be wrong on, Um, but man, I miss Patriots offense might just suck and we might just want to not nervous about it.
1: Yeah, right. It would be good to get one positive, (laughs) like one, one who's been doing this for 40 years saying this is the worst side of the ball in terms of display and training camp he's ever seen in his life. That's never a good
0: sign. And it would be nice if they actually had a real offensive coach, but you know, when you can trace this all back to like they have Matt Patricia running the show, that's probably not great. Um, Alan Lazard's interesting because I think he fits a, a really important role in this offense. You know, he's sort of almost like a big slot receiver for them too. These definitely got some oomph in the run game, Mm -hmm. some size, um, you know, if you squint at him too, you see some success rates on a on a route by route basis, like the flat, the out. You know, th- there's been a lot of important players that have run those routes in this style of offense that have become really good players. But I just I don't think Alan Lazard is that good of a player. But he's got good hands, good good in contested situations. Um, I just I've had him ranked lower than consensus because I feel like. These guys in this Green Bay offense—they're all going to file in between like 500 and 800 yards, but nobody's really going to nobody's really going to smash here. Maybe Romeo Dobbs throws that off, but I'm I'm probably not going to say that that's going to happen either. So honestly, there's no, there's nobody in this group that I'm I'm all that gassed up about. And you know, with with Robert Woods, it just depends on it's trailing like how much of an impact is Traylon Burks going to make this year? Uh, before any of the off-season stuff, I would have said that. Burks is a guy who needs a year of development. Oh yeah. He needs, he needs some seasoning as a player. Like if you, if you're, if you think he's ready to go out there and be an X receiver, you're nuts. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that he's anywhere close to that. So, and then he has a weird mini camp, you know, I I think he's going to get time with the first-team offense. Like, I'm not I'm not too worried about that. But also, at the same time, when you do projections, like, the one thing that I think people have lost in this whole discussion about Traylon Burks and whether he's playing with the first team, second team, third team, whatever, is that Kyle Phillips, who I think is actually pretty good. It, sorry, Hayden, I know he's going to UCLA. Um, he, I think Kyle Phillips is actually pretty good, and he is getting time with the first team. And I don't think Robert Woods or Traylon Burks can really afford a legitimate third option there like they've got to dominate the target share, 40 plus percent to just the two of them and that if phillips is going to shave off even like three four percent from these guys we're we're in trouble there in terms of passing targets
2: if Traylon burks is not in two wide receiver sets he's not fantasy viable that's as simple as that he'll be a bench guy and you will wait for i think he's gonna be a post by rookie bump candidate i'm with you i think it's a transition year for him he was a slot gadget get him in motion get him in the flats type of player his yards per route run like as like as an X receiver in isolation, there was a couple of weird plays that were like 80 yard touchdowns, which were like dominant. But like, if you actually look at the play, I was like, I'm not sure if that, how much that exactly translated. So I think some of these statistics that we're pulling from are a little bit skewed. I'm with you. I think that he has upside. I'm afraid it's going to come in 2023 or 2024. Um, so I, that doesn't mean I'm on Robert Woods either though. Like I, no, I just yeah, don't either. want any of the Titans. Just one of those teams. Don't,
0: don't they feel like the most volatile team in the NFL? Yeah. Like they're, they're, Josh they're put the number in D one tier.
2: In the AFC last year. We ranked offenses and Josh, we were going through the list. We put like the Jaguars in C tier. And then he was like Titans D tier. I was like, okay, we're really doing this. <laughs> it's all vibes. I, I, I mean, I get it right. Like if everybody stays
0: healthy and Burks is ready to rock, like sure. That's great. But and I, I know Titans fans will come out and be like, "Hey, jackass! We were the number one seed last year when Derrick right. Henry was hurt, but they are—they're are, so built around Derrick Henry, who you know is is kind of at a precarious point in his career. What if he goes down? Then you know we're looking at what like the Hassan Haskins, and yeah, you know, I mean, Mike Vrabel gonna really trust a rookie? I don't know about all that. Uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill, how much of a needle mover is he? And I just think when you lose AJ Brown, that's huge. And Traylon Burks, I don't think will ever be AJ Brown. But I right. definitely don't think he will be A.J. Brown this year. And I, I think it's interesting, like, in an ideal world, I thought that Traylon Burks would be, you know, I, I know that Burks bros hate this, but I totally agree with your point, Hayden, about, like, the, the plays where he has boosted his yards per route run versus press coverage or whatever are, are a little bit fluky. Like, I think he's would fit in a really nice Juju Smith-Schuster big slot receiver role. But if they're going to have this guy Kyle Phillips playing, like, he's got to be a slot receiver. So what are we doing there with, with Traylon Burks, who – maybe you could be a flanker, but like Robert Woods is a flanker. So I don't know, man, it's, it's a little confusing right now.
1: Okay. I left one name off this list. Cause I knew he would be the one that you would choose. So now's the time to talk about Rashad Bateman, uh, Rashad <laughs> Bateman, your favorite. I think everyone's favorite now, but still fairly affordable 54 overall wide receiver 27. He's kind of right after that danger zone that we talked about. And just ahead of the likes of, you know, Darnell Mooney and Amari Cooper and so on and so forth. Why are you so optimistic of what Rashad Bateman showed last season when even his team felt like they didn't want to give him a full workload? I can tell you this, Matt, it was so frustrating watching like that second Bengals game when he had three or four catches in the first drive, then one target for the rest of the game. Something has to change because what Bateman showed on the field was really extraordinary stuff, especially moving the chains. 100%
0: 100% agree with everything you just said and with Rashad Bateman I do think it's worth remembering that you know this is a player who missed so much time in, in like, with a training camp injury early on in the regular season and you know how many times do we really see rookies come back and dominate after that like there's the Odell Beckham example but other than that like it's really hard to think about guys who who really come in and uh, command a big role but I agree with you when he was out there. He looked great and, and was looked like a guy, the Ravens needed to promote. I mean, he checks so many boxes. Cause I, I don't think the Ravens have had a player like this, certainly not in the Lamar Jackson era, but I would say like maybe in the last 10 years, I mean, when's the last time they had a legit promising X receiver prospect, which I think Rashad Bateman is, you know, 72.7% success rate versus man coverage, 85th percentile success rate versus zone 81st percentile success rate versus press last year. He just does everything. You know, wins contested, wins after the catch. I agree he'll just move the hell out of the chains for this team because he can win on outbreaking routes, but he can win on those crucial inbreaking routes that Lamar Jackson loves to throw. So, yeah, to me, Bateman just I, – I don't really have any questions about him as a player. Uh, and I think he's in a situation where he and Mark Andrews can – get the dominant share of this passing target. And like, I mean, Devin DuVernay, James Prochet, these guys aren't going to command targets. So to me, it seems like the Ravens, based on their moves, are all in on Rashad Bateman. And I am all in on Rashad Bateman as well.
2: I think you have to be. It seems like the nuances are not going to be a problem. He's got the size profile; He's a perfect scheme fit. I was hoping he was going to be a little more explosive than what he was. But I also think that could be because of this. I think it was a sports hernia injury and stuff. Yep. And I and he tested yeah. more explosive than what I thought he played at last year. But even if he isn't that type of player, you're talking about a true X receiver attached to an MVP candidate. So I've been drafting Rashad. Bateman. He goes in the fifth round, a round after Jerry Judy and those types. I'm happy to be oh, yeah.
1: all in on Rashad Bateman. Just a quick nook on the Ravens, too. I think that. Marquise Brown had either 25 or 30 targets of 20 plus yards down the field. You know this, Matt, he caught about five of them. Some of that was on him. (laughs) Some of that was the quarterback play as well. I think Rashad Bateman on only eight or nine targets of 20 plus yards caught four. So I think we could also see a little bit more of that vertical element in his game without Marquise Brown and handing it over to someone and just the duality that they're able to use Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews on the front side of plays, high low combinations, and you can kind of interchange both. Like that's really exciting stuff for a passing offense, especially someone who sees the middle of the field, like Lamar does too. So
0: yeah, hopefully we just don't have them running into each other, you know, running routes, running
1: into each other.
2: (laughs) Another like triple slants on one side of the ball and like, (sighs) just too much. Uh, Just to round out the, the Ravens, two things. How cooked was Sammy Watkins last year was tough watching him. I've not projecting him for anything even though he's been the scrimmage uh leader in uh Green Bay in second part. Is Devin Duvernay going to be the number 2? Is he a slot receiver only? Can he play on the outside? Should we even care about Devin Duvernay outside of 18? Sounds
1: like it's play? crochet.
2: Yeah, but yeah. that's because Duvernay's been missing time. I want to I don't want to be going over that clickbait really.
0: I probably would just wouldn't, wouldn't care, uh, but yeah. I do think Sammy I think Sammy Watkins has always been super overrated. Um, and like now I think he's a declining skill set player. He can run like some crossing routes for you, uh, which might look good on play action in Green Bay for three weeks. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with Sammy Watkins.
1: All right, let's stay in the trend of some wide receivers who should see a lot more playing time this year or opportunity or volume. Uh, it's the guys who have to step up into a much bigger role. Here's a list. Just four names, either from a playing time standpoint or, again, they were being utilized differently. K.J. Osborne, Rondell Moore, Joshua Palmer and Isaiah McKenzie. We're in love with three of these four. What about you?
0: Yeah, Rondell Moore, man. Let's let's talk Rondell Moore, because I think um, I, I'm I'm going to talk because I just had these notes up for the the podcast I, I did with Andy. What is that He's podcast a- called again? the yahoo fantasy football forecast subscribe wherever you get your podcast to hear me for five days i have no how am i going to have a voice by the end of the season I, i don't know how you guys do it either um here's here's the deal Rondell Moore, weirdest reception perception profile I've ever charted. <laughs> I mean, it's it's worth repeating. I, it's worth repeating because it's so bizarre. Rondell Moore last year in reception perception, 29.9% of his sampled routes were screens. That's the most in RP history by a country mile. The previous high mark was Debo Samuel at 18.1% in that weird 2020 injury ruin season that I've said a hundred times. I wish I'd just thrown in the trash and looked more at what he was as a rookie. The next highest after those two guys is Albert Wilson at 14.8% in a partial sample. That's still like a bird alert, baby. Sound the sirens. That's, but that's still like a 50% drop off from what Rondale Moore did last year, ran against zone coverage on 89% of his routes. It's super rare to see a guy in RP be at 70 plus percent you know we're talking like historical outliers by 10 percentage here was in the backfield if the most i've ever charted anybody since 2014 i mean just was a fake wide receiver last year but i really don't want to i really don't want to believe cliff kingsbury you know talking about he's going to have a bigger role this year because when's the last time cliff's player usage has been like reliable or good i would argue never from a wide receiver perspective but if he does take over this Christian Kirk role, like I do kind of think Rondo Moore's got some talent, like he's got some ability to beat zone coverage, sort of in those really limited looks. I want to bake in the possibility a little bit that that he goes into an expanded role because I, I'm a little spooked by the thing I said with Debo that I had this assumption that Debo was who he was in 2020, yep. and I, I should have paid more attention to who he was in 2019. And then I ended up getting burned by that. I should have been higher on Debo last year. So I don't think Ronda, Nemo- number one, Ronda Moore's Nemo- is not Debo Samuel. He's not going to have right. that type of the year. Only, but-
1: the only part of this, Matt is he was kind of used this way at Purdue as well. Like he had a yeah, I agree. freshman I agree. season. And then the final two was kind of in the same utilization. Uh, I'm with you. I just want him to play like legit wide receiver stuff. And it's yeah. tough for me to believe it until I see it. But then mm-hmm. we get this from Jeremy Fowler, I think just yesterday, quote, receiver Rondell Moore is expected to assume the Christian Kirk role, which as we outlined is a vertical slot player compared to the player of the, sh- the shortest dot in the I league last me. year by three yards, working on the inside and the outside. Last season, Kirk saw many slaps in the slot, but also 23 deep ball targets. I, and then the other part of this, Matt, is <laughs> what happens when Marquise Brown then maybe shifts back to the inside after DeAndre Hopkins comes back from a six-game suspension? Because I think we can all agree, too, right, Hayden, that Marquise Brown's best role is as this vertical slot player.
2: Same. Yeah, I think it's, I think this is important. When Nuke is back in the lineup, if they put Marquise Brown outside as well, is that okay for Marquise Brown to be a wide receiver two, wide receiver three? If they, if they are going to force... Uh, Rondell Moore into the slot. That would make Marquise Brown play that flanker position. Are we comfortable with that? Because I watched Christian Kirk in 2020 and 2019 go on the outside and couldn't do a single thing in this offense and went into the vertical slot role, which I think I have been seeing Marquise Brown do pretty effectively. What's your thoughts?
0: I definitely think I'd rather see Marquise Brown be a vertical slot receiver. He's a great zone beater. I think he's kind of gotten a bad rap uh, through his career because – everybody on fantasy Twitter and football Twitter is in the bag for Lamar Jackson. So it's going to be popular to, to bag on the receivers there. Um, but I think Marquise Brown is, like I said, it prefer the vertical slot receiver role. I mean, I have this just, you know, based on his RP profile, just this vision of um, him catching, Post routes from uh, Kyler Murray whipping it down the field against zone coverage, but I think he could operate as a flanker too and, and be fine in that they're going to face a lot of zone coverage because Kyler Murray can yeah. run and you don't want to play man coverage against a, a mobile quarterback. So I think the skill sets still line up. I've been I've been kind of like in line and fine with consensus on Marquise Brown, but I agree. I'd rather see him in
1: the vertical slot role. Rondale's going as wide receiver 53. That's just around names that we've talked about in Jalen Tolbert and Julio Jones, Mikko Hardman. It's kind of like this gray area, this confusing area, which I think is a bit fine. He's also hitting one of those players that based on what we see in these three preseason games forever, how much like if he's a legit running seven yard routes, nine yard routes down the field, that will give me a little bit more optimism again versus seeing so many snaps behind the line of scrimmage and passes and catches behind the line of scrimmage as well.
2: I call that wide receiver tier, draft a running back, auto-pick Melvin Gordon, <laughs> get uh, some uh, Isaiah Spiller and Rashad White exposure. And drop
1: down backs. to Devontae Parker and Joshua Palmer, who we have you know, individual clips on the channel about, too. Okay. Two more. Next up, injuries happen in football. It's a contact sport. And a lot of these players are coming back from injury. Some might call it, it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> Jerry Judy, Judas <laughs> Schuster... And Michael Thomas, I might want to focus in here on Michael Thomas, if you may. Sure. Um, because the Slant Boy moniker, I want to push back on it. I think that's been unfair. And I think I think Michael Thomas has had a marketing problem. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> a marketing problem. That's a really, that's a good way of putting it. Um,
0: You know, I think in the same way that Folks think that Deontay Johnson is just a little pop gun receiver because he was playing with the corpse of uh, Ben Roethlisberger the last couple of years. I think that my people think that Michael Thomas is just Slam Boy because he was playing with the corpse of Drew Brees for a certain not not quite as ish as Ben Roethlisberger. It's hard to get more on the scale of corpse. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah, not quite as mummified as Ben last year, but. <laughs> I mean, this is something that the great Chris Rus- Chris Chris Westling was pointing out since like twenty seventeen that breeze's arm was in a rapid state of decline, and that's right around when michael thomas got there i mean he certainly is you know his overall success rates in rpr boosted by the fact that he runs a lot of shorter routes but i just posted this the other day i mean michael thomas was unbelievably good in like the, the 2018 to 2020 run his t- 2018 success rate versus man coverage is still second all time that i've charted since 2014 after the great stefan diggs great against zone coverage, great against press coverage. Like he wins at every level. The route success rate charts will show you that. And, you know, again, this to the slant boy moniker, uh, you know, you can look at some of these guys. Like um, I posted other route charts of guys like AJ Brown, who we talked about guys like Julio Jones, you know, Deandre Hopkins, the route percentage charts are not that far off, but yeah, Michael Thomas gets separation, gets open at all levels of the field, whether he is, 90% 90% of that player, 85% of that player, or I mean, probably not a hundred percent, but I don't know, man. It's the more you look at Michael Thomas, the more you remember how good he was. And I think RP shows you how good he was in isolation at his peak. And I'm, I'll say, I'm, I know I was excited about it going into 2020 and or, uh, 2021 and that and we never saw it, but I'm excited to see what he looks like with Jameis Winston, because Jameis is certainly not going to be throwing a bunch of pop gun passes.
2: Yeah, Nick Underhill doesn't miss, and Nick Underhill keeps saying that Michael Thomas is close to 100. percent So, who am <sighs> I to go, bet man. against uh, Michael Thomas at this point? Literally, how high? Time,
0: how high do you think he can go that you would be like, I I don't want to, I don't want to take him.
1: Okay, to put this into context, he's going as wide receiver 29. I think that should probably even flip with Chris Godwin right now, who's going as wide receiver 28. I agree. Um, and then just ahead of that though. It's a man we already talked about in Rashad Bateman and DK Metcalf and Brandon Cooks, Hayden. I think right in that level. I think I think that's fine right there. Yeah. Maybe it should be based on this tweet. Shouldn't he be comeback boy? Like, the <laughs> success in comebacks was even higher than slants. Come on now. And, yeah, well, you know. But seriously, the last time that we saw a healthy Michael Thomas, he was the number one wide receiver in points per game in fantasy football. And then Jameis Winston supported the number two and number three wide receivers in fantasy football that season and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Now, was he just allowed to unleash the football and throw just a ridiculous amount of interceptions? For sure. Um, But the combination of Michael Thomas and Chris Olafe plus whatever Jarvis Landry has left, like this Saints team, if the offensive line holds up, if they allow Jameis to be the 35-attempt quarterback rather than the 22-attempt quarterback, We're going to get some fire. We're going to get some spice, some sizzle from this offense. And I'm excited for that for sure.
0: Yeah, I love Chris Olave. I I think this could be a a fun, really fun offense. They feel sort of the saints feel volatile to me as well. Not quite as volatile. Maybe actually maybe even more volatile than the Titans, but um, there's definitely a way that if you squint at it, you can, you can see a really, really fun fantasy offense. And I just don't think the public will ever get to a point where they're taking Michael Thomas because of the way things have gone um, at a range where I would be kind of all out on him. Like there's no, there's no way I think he'll get north of like wide receiver 24. Um, And I, I don't know if he has a, a top, 12 ceiling in his range of outcomes but i definitely think he has you know a top 20 ceiling in his range of outcomes if he stays healthy where's your brain on juju smith schuster i'm in on juju this year for the first time in human history Thank you. (laughs) like literally i've uh, i think shout out to reception perception great great tool just generally i've never heard of it yeah that's it's, it's no big deal but um I think that RP's been right about Juju the entire time and I think he's gone from being one of the most overrated receivers in the NFL to now kind of one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. When you look at Juju, you know, he's never been a great press man coverage receiver. That was certainly the case last year, but that's been the case his entire career. It's just about what he's going to be asked to do and and in that like big slot receiver, flanker, hybrid role He's a great zone beater. He was number eleven in success rate versus zone last year, and actually his 2019 season is number eleven all time in success rate versus zone coverage. So, and and the the Chiefs faced a ton. We know they faced a ton of zone coverage last year because his whole too high stuff. And like, I think he can sneakily be a really key part of having their offense take the next step into this new phase of evolution in a post Tyree Kill world. I, I think Juju's still a pretty good player. He's just. He's just not what people wanted him to be early on in his career, but he's not as bad as – again, nobody was good with Ben Roethlisberger last year. Nobody's going to be good in that role, but I think Juju can play – you know, look, we're talking about, you know, damn Cooper Cup going from a guy that nobody had as nobody had as a top 10 real life NFL receiver going into last year. Certainly not a top 10 fantasy receiver. You know, and he's a big slot receiver, gets a big quarterback upgrade and, you know, has a resume. I think that there's a um, I wrote about in an article like you could squint at him and see the like a big like a this year's Cooper Cup type in his range of outcomes. But he's probably not going to lead the NFL and catch his yards and touchdown. I'll, I will say that.
2: We did a podcast, literally who is the next Cooper cup and the chat and the comments were not happy with my thumbnail. I mean, it was for weeks, (laughs) they're still commenting. Uh, They're getting their, their friends to comment telling Josh that he's such an idiot about this stuff. I'm curious. I don't want to predict injuries. Travis, kelsey has been awesome. He is 33. We have seen tight ends really regress at this point in their career. Is there a way Juju can just like dominate targets? Like, 150, 160, 170, obviously Ooh. the Chiefs play. I mean, in, in some world, like if something happened to Travis Kelsey, like the targets has got to go somewhere. This team plays with so much pace and pass rate. Is Juju good enough to command like league winning targets if this offense kind of tinkers around?
0: I think Kelsey'd probably have to get hurt. I, and I, I think that they'd be... N- not a very effective offensive juju's ab- absorbing that kind of target share i also just think too the one thing that's a problem with this chief's receiver core is that i think four guys are going to matter in some yeah. in some form or fashion here like i think juju is the clear guy that i i want you to target i want you to draft him ahead of his adp um you know i some when i say adp by the way i don't know what like you your people you know you've you wide receiver twenty four. are you freak shows are dra- I mean, that's fine with me where your freak shows are drafting players
1: sometimes is, is <laughs> the nuts. smart people. You mean not freak shows, <laughs> the geniuses. <laughs> I, say, I
0: say freak shows with love, man. Like they keep the lights on. Okay. So let's right. be clear about that um, for you guys and for all of us. But anyways, yep. I, I think that Juju's a guy I want to draft, but I do think that MBS is going to have some sort of role probably is just a lid lifter. Uh, and then Nicole Hardman, I think is still going to factor in and, you know, hayden talk about your post right post by rookie bump sky Moore, i think will be yep. if he doesn't have a right away role he will be a post by rookie bump guy so um yeah i think these guys are um we just we just talked about this he ha- he was super overrated he was i've been saying he was overrated since he came into the league juju in 2018 when everybody was all over this guy absolutely a super overrated player reset but your brain not.
2: He's on a one-year contract. He's not overrated. It's right. Patrick Mahomes, too. Even if he's okay, it's still Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Uh, I have noticed Sky Moore a lot in the backfield, and he, he's wearing number 24. He kind of looks like a running back. He's got to stop with the 24. I, it's, it's too much. It's too much. I'm a little nervous that he's going to get pigeonholed into this Rondale Moore, McCole Hardman, gadget touch, wide receiver four, which is not a great role for fantasy when no, your no. ADOT is that low and you're not in two wide receiver sets. How do you score the touchdowns? Do you think this could be a transition where I think I think this is last year? McCole Hardman's on the team where McCole starts in that that role, then Sky Moore gets more snaps, but it's still kind of manufactured. And meanwhile, MVS is in his role down the field. Juju's commanding targets over the middle, and Sky Moore is kind of a fantasy tease. Where yeah, we see some of the yards after the catch ability, but this could be more of a 2023 play.
0: I can 100 percent envision that. Um, I'm a big fan of Sky Moore the player, but yeah, the fact that we've like McCole Hardman is still going to be a thing. As much as people don't want him to be a thing, I think he will still be involved. And that makes it really tough to get too, too excited about Sky Moore. I'm fine. Just like last year, I was fine if you drafted Amon Ross St. Brown in three weeks into the season, you, you drop him. And then you try to pick him up again when his snaps and, you know, routes start bumping up. If that happens with Sky Moore, I'm totally fine with that. I know at some points, like after the draft, he was going as like a ninth round pick. That's nuts. Like you can't be doing that. You can't be doing that with Sky Moore. Um, but like, I think this offense is going to look a lot like, um, just from a historical comparison that I default a lot to is um, the 2017 Vikings when they had, you know, Stefan Diggs as the flanker, Adam Thielen is kind of that big slot and Kyle Rudolph as a tight end. And then they had like Laquan Treadwell or a, a bunch or some guy that nobody cares about as the X receiver, just like running clear out routes and, you know, doing nothing over there. Um, I think like MVS will kind of be that guy as the maybe the X receiver there that runs deep routes and dictates coverage and stuff. However, uh, if I op- can push,
1: if I can push back on that though, Matt. Sure. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, even last year at his lowest throw rate for deep targets, was still I believe seventh in the league in them. So like they will want to even if you know coverages don't dictate yeah, oh them. Yeah passing down the field Mahomes still has that in him plus the broken place and isn't mvs like truly the only one in that offense you can really run a vertical route
0: yeah and that's what i meant what i was going to say was like except in this situation you've got patrick mahomes not like case keenum or whatever you know right. so like <laughs> right. he'll actually take those chances but i think that mvs is even if it's not going to be a big fantasy friendly role because he is I think he's a one trick pony, but like that trick is super important. And um, he's a lid lifter. You're going to need that guy as your X receiver because I, I don't want Juju playing X. I probably don't want rookie or Sky Moore playing X.
1: And I mean, Nicole Hardman's fine, but I, I'm not trying to have him play that X receiver role either. They're going back to back right now on underdog Sky Moore wide receiver 45 MVS wide receiver 46. And as you outlined, it was drastically apart to start. And MVS has really caught up in ADP over the last couple months. OK, okay. we have five minutes left. Matt has a heart out for his world tour that he has to continue. Um, I want to start off with actually trying to get a perspective or a feeling of what Seattle's wide receivers are going to be like oh, without man. Russell Wilson, because still as much as maybe Russell's game has declined a little bit with age, his moonshots, his moon balls were still absolutely ludicrous. Like last season here, I'll look it up right now. Uh, the number of, Deep targets. DK Metcalf was 24th in terms of his A dot. Tyler Lockett was fifth in terms of his highest A dot. If it's Geno Smith, if it's Drew Lock, whoever else, I think that's going to drastically decline. But do they have the skills to also win in the shorter areas of the field, too?
0: Yeah, man. I, I definitely think so. Look, with. With DK Metcalf, he's so awesome off the line of scrimmage, good against press coverage. He's great at like getting into the route on slants on on, he's it developed a little bit as like a dig route runner. I think he's, you know, if you're still in a brain pretzel about DK Metcalf being like a bad route runner, you're you're existing in like 2000. I don't know. What was that? What do you come in the NFL? Like 2019, whatever. 19, I don't know. Either way. Right. Yeah. yeah. Come, come, come back to this version of reality is basically where we're at. Tyler Lockett, man. I mean, I so he's so good last year was awesome still uh i mean i have drafted tyler lockett in like analyst leagues where you know he's around forever and ever and ever i think lockett is um a complete player he's always been one of the rp favorites 82nd percentile success rate versus man last year 80th percentile against press like he can legitimately do it all and he's the best um He's the best deep ball tracker in the NFL. I think like the Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett relationship, a lot of that is Tyler Lockett too. It's like, I think it's a 50-50. But man, he's going to need to be the best deep ball tracker in the NFL getting passes from Geno Smith and Drew Lockett. It's, just a, it's an unserious quarterback situation to walk into the 2022 season with these guys battling it out. And it's just one of those things where the if Lockett falls to a point, I'd never been really tempted by DK where he goes because I just think there's other guys in that tier that I can see a higher ceiling or like the upside of the unknown is cooler with locket. He'll fall to points where I, I do kind of want to take him. Um, but I god, I don't want to be invested in this offense at all. I have
2: a confession. DK Metcalf's my highest drafted wide receiver. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it's, it's just, I look at the wide receivers and I can't picture any of them being nearly as good as DK Metcalf. I'm holding out hope for Jimmy G. He is better in baseball. Yeah. This is, this is on underdog fantasy, of course. Uh, in your home league, is gonna be very, very tilting. But at the end of the day, I'm like from round middle of round five and now he's in the middle of the round five. And beyond that, there's not a single player that's more talented than DK Metcalf. And if something happens to Tyler Lockett or something who's 30 years old, I haven't really seen any signs of decline with Tyler Tyler Lockett, but we're getting to that point where we have to start getting a little bit concerned. If something happens there, like DK Metcalf is gonna go absolutely yeah, bananas. Crazy. So I'm I'm still yeah. buying a little bit of the upside. Yeah, he's not gonna be top five wide receiver in this offense, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's like a boom bust wide receiver
1: one two still. And Lockett's the 99th overall player right now in terms of drafting underdog fantasy as a uh, wide receiver forty seven. All right, Hayden. Who are, you got who are some?
0: Of, who are some of the other goofballs in, like around Tyler around Lockett, that range? Well, yeah,
1: yeah. We just talked about Skymore and MVS. He's going let's say I'm thirteen BS. spots after Traylon Burks, and he's going just <laughs> ahead of of uh, Robert Woods and Russell Gage and Chase Claypool, so on and so forth. I actually want to ask you about Russell Gage. I don't want to hog the microphone though. Um, and just the easy, is an easy fit with Tom Brady. Like what is the role that Russell Gage is going to play? Because we were all in then as soon as Julio signed, everyone got all out, but isn't there still something there? I know there's a foot injury at the moment that we don't know much about.
0: Yeah. Uh, we put an article on reception perception, uh, Josh Scott, definitely check it out. Did a great like study on the RP data and, um, you know, found that like alignment really dictates a lot of what matters with some of these players for example like slot receivers you the more you line up in the slot the more important uh for predicting future production like the more that is important for like a success rate versus zone coverage standpoint but um success rate versus man can matter a lot no matter where you line up and and russell gage is a 70 plus percent success rate versus man player which is usually a pretty green light pretty big green light for me i like him i like him a lot as a player it's um i like. i i would definitely think russell gage out julio jones this year um because i'm a little concerned julio is like 2017 Des Bryant levels of like concerning uh, reception perception profiles. Uh his articles on the side I would definitely encourage people to check it out but I'm still like kind of wrapping my head around how how much uh, RP can help us predict age cliffs but I don't love seeing Julio go from you know 80 plus percentile to you know bottom 20. That that's concerning with his last year with the Tennessee Titans even though I know his like yards per route run and stuff were still pretty good. Um yeah I'm 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 concerned about the the Julio part, although they've got him wearing like number 85. Maybe they just make him a uh, Larry Fitzgerald move tight end type of thing. That that would be interesting. But I, I've I was fine with Russell Gage generally. I do think his ADP got boosted up pretty high, but I, I like
2: him as a player. Hayden, final words. This is the time to draft Russell Gage. I'm back in and uh, I'll, I will fight you on the Julio Jones stuff. I'll get you some tape before that hamstring injury. Uh, and we'll get cooking <laughs> that. We'll get those reception perception numbers straightened out. All right. Oh. Yeah, that
0: sounds good. <laughs> Matt, I, yeah, That's the thing past. too. He was, he might've absolutely been wrecked last year injury wise. So that's, that's yeah. definitely certainly possible.
1: I mean, the training camp reports from Jeff Darlington say he's back to 2019 Julio Jones caliber, but who knows? We're all going to find out very, very we'll soon. See. Okay. Matt, you're always at the peak. You're always at fit performance. About that? You're always in the best shape of your life. Thank you so much for doing this. Everyone out there, if this, it can't be, because he's, again, been on this world tour. Your first exposure to Matt Harmon. Uh, all of his content is linked in the description down below. Especially go and check out Reception Perception and the podcast that he's doing now. A whopping five days a week. Do not tell our bosses we're cool with our schedule, Matt. All right. <laughs> for Hayden, I'm Josh. Thanks for subscribing, tuning in up the villa. We will talk to you all soon. See ya.